Welcome to Healthline 3. I'm Jade Belexa. Today we are talking with board certified rheumatologist Dr. Robert Goodman of the Arthritis and Rheumatology Clinic here in Shreveport about gout, a type of arthritis more common during the heat of the summer. Dr. Goodman will take an in-depth look at the latest information regarding gout for the next half hour and will also answer viewer questions. Thank you so much for joining us. Glad to be here, Jade. Absolutely. So glad to have you. And before we get started, we would like our viewers to know that Dr. Goodman will give an overview of gout for the first 10 minutes and following that, call us with any questions you may have about gout using the number right at the bottom of your screen. It's 318-219-4569 and we will take your questions from around 1210 to 1230. So Dr. Goodman, let's start out with the basics. What is gout? Well, gout uh, is a type of arthritis in which people who um, have an elevated uh, chemical in their body called uric acid. We all have uric acid, but some of us, our uric acid levels are hovering at the upper limits of normal. And if uh, a person's uric acid level exceeds the upper limits of normal, a chemist would say that the uric acid will precipitate out of solution and form crystals. So in the human body, um, uh, a person who has a uric acid uh, of say eight on a common lab test will be right hovering at the place where they might have um, uric acid come out of uh, solution and that it will form crystals usually in the cooler areas of our body and so our big toe is a little cooler than the center of our body and so the uric acid crystals will come out of solution um, in uh, form crystals in our big toe. Our white blood cells then react as if those crystals are a bacteria or a virus, but they're not a bacteria, they're not a virus, they're inanimate crystals and the white blood cells will engulf those crystals, spill the white blood cells poison as if it's killing a bacteria, but the, it doesn't defeat the bacteria and you just get an over and over inflammatory response that can occur uh, steadily over just a few hours. So a person can go to bed feeling perfectly fine and wake up at about five o'clock in the morning with a swollen, red, painful toe uh, that is so painful that the sheets on the bed could hurt, uh, feel painful. Ow, that makes me hurt you just describing it that way. Who tends to get gout? Well, uh, uh, Jay, many of our other diseases like lupus and rheumatoid arthritis tend to occur in women, but gout is a disease that you guys out there, the men, tend to get gout more than women, except for uh, as women go beyond menopause, they start to catch up with the men. Mm -hmm. But it's still, mostly you think of men uh, getting gout. Is gout treatable and, and what are the symptoms? Well, the symptoms of gout uh, can be, as I uh, described, an explosive uh, big toe occurring almost overnight. It's not something that develops gradually over months, but I mean, uh, at least the acute gout attack doesn't develop gradually over months as other uh, rheumatic diseases do, but it occurs almost overnight. In fact, ancient physicians thought as if it was somebody snuck into my bedroom and put a drop of poison on my big toe. The Latin term for drop is gutta, and so uh, when it was uh, described in uh, English textbooks, they used the term gut, like a drop of poison on the big toe and uh, uh, made it uh, into the name gout. Mm. 
So when should someone see a doctor? Is it is it when you get that feeling in your toe, just like that, well, when you get the pain? Most of the time, uh, patients don't need to don't know when to go to the doctor because they're, they say, my toe is hurting, I've got to go to an emergency room, and they would go to the emergency room. Uh, the emergency room doctor would say, I think that's a gout attack, give you a shot of cortisone or some powerful anti-inflammatory. It could be a steroid anti-inflammatory like cortisone. It could be a non-steroid anti-inflammatory like ibuprofen or indomethacin to get rid of the gout attack. Um, in ancient times, uh, doctors would have uh, patients chew the bark of the autumn crocus uh, to try to, until their gout attack abated. Um, and the bark of the autumn crocus has been purified into a medicine called colchicine. So colchicine, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, and steroid medicines are all used in different settings to try to relieve that acute gout attack. But then we turn to how do we prevent the next one from happening? And is the next one going to happen in a week, in a month, or never? And um, then that requires a little bit of judgment on where to go. So what, ca what causes it? Well, some people um, consume a lot of foods that have a chemical called purines. And when these purines are ingested, and unfortunately the foods are party foods, as Jade would say uh, <laughs> earlier, uh, they are foods that uh, we uh, eat uh, at parties, they're alcohol, uh, uh, and they are uh, oysters and shrimp and shellfish, uh, rich meats, uh, and any, anything, and I would uh, summarize it, if it's um, uh, served at an LSU tailgate party, it's probably bad for your gout. So some people will um, be able to eat those foods and their uric acid level remains in a very modest range. But there are some of us, especially us guys, where our uric acid is just hovering about to come out of solution. A chemist would say it's about to precipitate out of solution. So we um, are out, uh, so we have a uric acid of about eight and we uh, get out and get dehydrated and it's 100 degrees as Caroline and Brian Fowler are describing. We don't keep up with our fluids and our uric acid goes from 8 to 8.6 because we've gotten dehydrated. The uric acid crystals then come out of solution at 5 o'clock the next morning uh, precipitating that gout attack. Uh, and, and so that is sort of a classic uh, situation for gout to occur. Mm -hmm. So the, the heat, these attacks are likely more to occur in the heat of the summer, it, especially like this. As, especially like this, and that, but that's really the person whose uric acid is hovering right at the upper limits of normal. And if that person uh, eats a lot of rich foods that have these purines, which are the precursors for uric acid, then that could precipitate a gout attack as well. So then if a person is starting to get that initial gout attack and then the next gout attack is occurring, in two weeks or a month or six weeks, then the patient will be looking to the doctor, the healthcare provider, and say, how do I prevent the next gout attack and how do I treat the current gout attack? So treating the current gout attack will be those anti-inflammatory approaches, steroids, non-steroids, or colchicine, um, depending on the provider, depending on where you are, uh, and uh, if you're in an emergency room or if you're at home uh, or if you're seeing your primary care physician. Then the treatment for preventing the next gout attack, part of it will be uh, drink plenty of water. 
keep up with your fluids. Part of it may be to limit or decrease your purine intake. So you go to the, so uh, we would go on websites and look for a gout diet to, to lessen our intake of, uh, of chemicals that can uh, have these precursors that can lead to a gout attack. We've already mentioned a lot of those foods uh, and alcoholic beverages that could play a role. And then if the person still has a uric acid level that is hovering close to the saturation point, or if they are still getting gout attacks, then, then it's sort of a almost no-brainer. We need to do something else. Doc, do you have a pill to lower my uric acid level? Or do you have a, another treatment to lower the uric acid level? And it so happens that uh, doctors now have several approaches to lower the uric acid levels. Um, some of the approaches that have been around for decades are to uh, uh, push the uric acid into the kidneys from the bloodstream so that it doesn't come out of a, as a gout attack in your foot and push it in the kidneys so it gets uh, urinated out uh, uh, as we uh, go to the bathroom. That uh, then is uh, done with a medicine called probenicid, but, but if you take probenicid and if you're a, a person who tends to form gout kidney stones, that's not a good thing. So um, another way to do it is to use a medicine called allopurinol that can push that purine metabolism in a little bit different direction so it doesn't go in the uric acid uh, direction so that you're less likely to build up uric acid and be close to that saturation point. Allopurinol has been used for decades um, uh, for, to treat gout and it's a once a day pill so that you push your uric acid level down as you get your uric acid level down from eight to seven to six to maybe five, then your chance of getting a gout attack in the future gets smaller and smaller and your body leaches out that urate so that you don't have as much of a uric acid load. So those gouty collections that I mentioned called gouty tophi or the collections in the kidneys that could form a kidney stone will get smaller and smaller with allopurinol. If allopurinol doesn't work, uh, we have another medicine called uh, Euloric that was approved by the FDA about 15 years ago. It's also now known as Fevoxistat, and it went generic recently, so um, it's, uh, it and allopurinol tend to cost about under 10 bucks, so that's a, a good treatment approach. There are uh, those people who continue to form kidney stones and continue to accumulate uric acid and continue to have elevated uh, uric acid levels so that they're precipitating out uh, gouty deposits in their big toe, under the skin, in the kidneys, and those people um, would uh, may benefit um, from an IV medicine that was approved to really knock the uric acid level down from not an eight to a six, but from an eight to about a one, so that you, uh, uh, so that your uric acid that's built up in your body goes into solution. That's an IV medicine called Cristexa that can be very helpful for those people that have collections of gout. Uh, that are called gouty tophi, and some of these collections, Jade, could be the size of a ping pong ball on your elbow. 
uh, or uh, the size of even a tennis ball. Um, in the 18th century, cartoonists would, uh, in, in England, would um, politicize and satirize the House of Lords of having gout because they uh, were wealthy people who had a lot of rich food and they would show these gouty tofi uh, in politicians in uh, the House of Commons and the House of Lords in 19th and 18th century England um, and show people with bandages all over them uh, having uh, gout crystals and kind of making fun of wealthy politicians in the 18th and 19th century. Um, and there are lithographs that, that document all of that. Wow. And today we have medicine for, for that, so thank goodness. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah, so, so those crystals can form in the toes and the elbows. Are there other places? Well, um, because it's a, a, a chemical uh, problem, really, it can occur, occur in cooler areas of our body. Um, if um, a, a high school chemistry teacher might have uh, their students have a beaker of any salt, whether it's uric acid, whether it's sodium chloride or other salts. And if you put that beaker in an ice bath, if you cool the water down to 32, degree, 32 degrees uh, Fahrenheit or zero degrees Celsius, then the amount of salt, of any salt, including uric acid that a solution can hold is less in an ice beaker than it is at room temperature or that it is if you put it under a Bunsen burner. So that's a common high school chemistry uh, uh, lab uh, experiment or lab uh, exercise to show that uh, uric acid or any salt will come out of solution in cooler areas of the body. So gout can attack the big toe, it can attack uh, the small joints of the hands. Oh. It can form in bursas on our elbow. These bursas are called the olecranon bursas, and uh, the gout crystals can accumulate in those bursas. Uh, as it comes out of solution, it uh, forms um, a, a nodule that's the size of a marble or the size of a ping pong ball or even the size of the tennis ball. Because our ears are cooler, than the rest of our body. Some people can get gout collections on our ears uh, that are uh, called gouty tophi. And uh, when you look at them uh, through the skin, um, they look like a yellowish mass just under the skin. If the skin breaks open, that yellowish mass looks like kind of dirty toothpaste oozing out of those wounds. And those 18th century cartoonists who were cartooning uh, the House of Lords uh, in England uh, would, would draw pictures of some politician that they wanted to satirize um, of having gout attacks and having that kind of uh, depiction. So uh, uh, the media getting on politicians in the 21st century is, is uh, not uh, lost upon those uh, 18th century cartoonists. Yeah, that's, that's, how, they, that's how they did that then. Um, so how, we know that it's painful, but what, are there certain risk factors associated with gout? Well, there are. Um, some of those risk factors are being uh, man, uh, uh, being heavier, 
um, having uh, diseases like diabetes or metabolic syndrome, um, and some people who have modest uh, uh, inefficiency of their kidneys that is called chronic kidney disease or CKD uh, because the kidneys are important in uh, uh, when your uric acid is hovering close to a saturation point of getting the uric acid out the kidneys play a role in getting it out um, and if a person's kidneys are working at say 60% of normal as opposed to 100% of normal then that person's less likely to eliminate the uric acid so being a man having kidney disease maybe diabetes and hypertension, uh, eating those rich foods. And then there are some people that have inborn errors of metabolism that their uh, ability to deal with urate or uric acid is diminished and they tend to accumulate those gout crystals as well. Mm -hmm. What are some of the classes of medications used to treat gout attacks? I, I know you were de describing um, some of them in, in good detail, um, but how fast working are they? Well, some of those can work in a matter of uh, just a few hours. Um, uh, Hippocrates would have people chew the bark of the autumn crocus. Mm -hmm. the, uh, the bark of the autumn crocus has a, uh, a chemical in it called colchicine. Colchicine uh, was, uh, was used over the millennia by uh, physicians from uh, ancient Greece to Roman times to modern times. Uh, colchicine was then purified in pills and uh, what it does is as the white blood cells are responding to this gout crystal, if you and I were white blood cells um, and we were uh, sitting in somebody's big toe, if you can imagine a spear that's about six feet tall just uh, materializing in the big toe, kind of like uh, on uh, Star Trek, uh, of, uh, the transporter beam just has uh, has uh, Spock materialized. Well, this would just have a uh, a spear that is six feet tall materializing. And if you and I were white blood cells, we would go and engulf that spear and take it into our body. We would then uh, put uh, our poisons on that to deal with. We're used to dealing with an ingrown toenail. We're used to dealing with staph or strep on the skin, but this is an inanimate crystal and we don't ha know how to deal with it. Well, as our pseudopods, as our little arms engulf these crystals, um, the colchicine decreases the movement of the white blood cells to do the engulfing. And colchicine can help people in a matter of about an hour after taking it. So um, an old way to use colchicine is to take one pill an hour for three or four hours until your gout attack goes away. But the problem with colchicine is that it can upset the stomach. It can irritate the stomach, it can cause diarrhea, and um, so most people, once they've taken three or four pills of it, um, that's about all that most people can tolerate. Uh, they, a next uh, treatment for gout was the classic group of medicines known as the non-steroid anti-inflammatory medicines. The non-steroid anti-inflammatory medicines also uh, started out as a folk remedy. Um, uh, in uh, ancient and modern times, people would chew willow bark to help with inflammation. 
and willowbark has acetylsalicylate in it. In 1899, now I'm not talking to 1999, 1899, 124 years ago, the Bayer Company purified acetylsalicylate uh, or aspirin as Bayer aspirin that came out in 1898 in Europe and in 1899 in the United States. So it was the first non-steroid anti-inflammatory medicine. It wasn't called a non-steroid then because steroids hadn't been invented. They were discovered in 1952, and I'll get to those next. But so the non-steroid anti-inflammatories like aspirin, like things like endomethacin and butazolidin and naproxen sodium, uh, ibuprofen, were used throughout the 20th and even into the 21st century um, to treat gout flares, to treat gout flares. In 1952, a, a more powerful anti-inflammatory, steroids, was discovered, and steroids were then used uh, to treat the acute attacks. So, in treat, so if we divide gout into two groups, treating the acute attack, we would use, we could use colchicine, non-steroids, or steroid anti-inflammatories. The modern anti-inflammatories, uh, like the biologics, could also be used, but they cost $70,000 a year, whereas uh, these others that I've mentioned cost, should cost $5 a month. Um, some of the modern uh, anti-inflammatories are to block inflammation, uh, to block a chemical that is a communicating protein between one group of white blood cells and the next called an interleukin-1 blocker. So if you have an inflammatory process, if, you, if I was um, a uh, lower level officer and you were a commanding officer in the immunologic army, you would give me a chemical message called, that is a communicating protein called interleukin-1. And interleukin, you would secrete interleukin-1, I would receive that message, I would march off and try to engulf that gout crystal and try to do away with it. So an interleukin-1 blocker uh, can be used as well, but it is a very expensive way to treat, to treat gout. Then, um, uh, so, so we would tr treat it, the acute flares, with a powerful anti-inflammatory medicine. Colchicine, non-steroidals, steroids, um, probably wouldn't justify using the expensive biologics for, for gout. Then to prevent the next gout attack or to prevent the accumulation of the gouty tophi on the elbow or the accumulation of gout collections in the collecting tubes of the kidneys that as those, as those uh, collections of gout form a kidney stone and as that kidney stone goes downstream from the kidneys down to the bladder, um, that can be a very painful uh, problem as well. But if we want to decrease the level of uric acid so that we're not, so the patient is not hovering close to the saturation point for gout, then we might go with the medicine allopurinol that we've talked about earlier in the broadcast. Uh, we could go with a medicine called uh, Euloric, or now it's called Fibroxostat. We could go with a medicine called Probenicid uh, as well, and uh, a medicine called uh, Cristexa. All of those, so we have more and more tools in our armamentarium to treat people who might have difficult gout problems. But usually, there's a solution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we yeah, a lot of options there. 
So if you just joined us, we are discussing gout with Dr. Robert Goodman, who is a board certified rheumatologist here in Shreveport. So yeah, call us with your questions. We have plenty of time left here, 318-219-4569. And Dr. Goodman, are you accepting new patients? Yes, I am. All I right, am. wonderful. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, tell us, uh, what is your phone number for people to call you? Well, my phone number in Shreveport is 318-424-9240. That's 424-9240. We're in Shreveport, close to the intersection of I-49 and I-20 uh, at 740 Jordan Street. Um, I also can be contacted on, uh, on, uh, on the internet um, at arthdoc.com. That's A-R-T-H-D-O-C dot com and at Facebook forward slash ArthDoc. All right. Well. Yeah, of course. We got a lot of Facebook users out there loving that social media. So I got to plug I'm that not in. not on Twitter and, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Thread or any uh, of those at this point. But I'm sure you will be at some point eventually. But yeah, Facebook is uh, always a tool that people get on and use. Um, well, tell us, are there any alternative medicines out there? Well, um, there are some people will use other uh, alternative medications but uh, a, a lot of times the alternative medications while they may help some other uh, situations they the person who is suffering from gout wants relief in a matter of hours and a lot of times they'll uh, go to the emergency room and get a shot of cortisone because that might be their fastest alternative um, the uh, alternative treatment for gout in, in terms of prevention though is uh, uh, very viable and that is some people can get on uh, a healthy diet, uh, decrease their alcohol intake, decrease their um, uh, shellfish intake, some of their rich meats and other rich foods and they can decrease those uh, levels and, and that can drop their uric acid from hovering close to the saturation point of about a seven and a half, eight or eight and a half or nine and they can uh, start drinking more water uh, and they can push their uric acid levels down into a, a, a more normal range and, and that gives you sort of more flexibility it's it's sort of like uh, uh, to use another uh, to use another um, uh, analogy if somebody had a lot of student loans they don't have as much room to take on loans for a, a house note or a car note so uh, if you, you push your uric acid level down from an eight to a six or a five then you start leaching out uh, those gout crystals and if you can do that with natural eating, eating uh, cleaner, uh, maybe it's um, more vegetables, all of those things that your mom uh, has uh, told you in the past and not as many fridge foods, then that can be a natural way to, to treat the gout. But it takes willpower. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So what else um, would you like to, uh, viewers to know and how, how is gout diagnosed? Is it, is it mostly if someone comes in with the tender toe? Well, um, 
most doctors are very familiar with the descriptions that I've uh, told our viewers of that big toe. Um, and so most of the time they would show up at the primary care doctor's office if they're a guy, they have a big swollen toe or they said two weeks ago I had a terrible uh, uh, episode like uh, I've just described, then the, the uh, primary care doctor will probably think gout right up at the top of his list. He will then order lab work. He might order uh, definitely a, a lab test that is very commonly ordered called a uric acid level. Um, and he uh, might also do lab work. He or she might also do lab work to look at how is your kidneys functioning, how is your liver functioning, your other electrolytes uh, to look for other diseases. They might do lab tests that would uh, look for uh, lupus and rheumatoid arthritis, but pretty soon uh, they would be focusing on gout. There are some x-ray changes that can occur in gout patients and that could be a clue as well. Most of the time, uh, primary care doctors will feel very comfortable embarking on an initial treatment for gout. Usually it's the rheumatologist will see them if they run into, if the primary care doctor runs into problems. Maybe the patient has some other complicating diseases, maybe they have allergic reactions to some of the medicines I mentioned, and then the rheumatologist also almost often would come in and try to help. Um, in those more difficult to treat gout patients. All right, so thank you for sharing all this great information with us. You're definitely an expert on oh, this you. topic for sure. And uh, Dr. Goodman is accepting new patients, you guys. So go out and see him if you have problems with gout or any type of arthritis, rheumatology problems for sure. And uh, he is available on Facebook. And um, if you guys have any more questions, feel free to contact him and tell us your phone number again. And that number is 318-424-9240. And thank you for watching this edition of Healthline 3. And we'll have another topic tomorrow as well on Friday. Have a great day, everyone.